You're listening to the Irish Times. Good morning, and here we are with another Out of Time podcast. And Gavin Komsky is joining me this week. Pat Nugent is out for the week. Gavin, uh, how you doing? This is not permanent, no. I don't this know. is not I permanent. Thought I was no. permanently replacing. Pat, no, no, but uh, you are sitting beside me here. Yeah, um, we were sitting beside each other all day yesterday as well, weren't all we? In Clownus, yeah. um, it was remarkable to watch you uh, and your reaction to uh, De Gaulle. I thought I was um, a picture of Cam. You slammed the table three times during the game. <laughs> um, you have a particular issue with uh, your big midfielder taking shots. Yeah, big Nile. Yeah, um, he'd want to. He he, he should do, choose his. Uh, his shot selection a little but better. Your reaction to the David Clifford goal was um, very entertaining, and yeah. I left you alone for about an hour afterwards. You might have noticed, and just went and got your quotes. Well, um, hey, hey, you went and did your job and got quotes for the paper. Oh, you I didn't went get them for I, me. I cheerily headed down to the pitch to, to, <laughs> to sift through the debris, <laughs> and Conor McManus was there um, was signing autographs for seven, eight-year-olds who me and the other journalists muscled out of the way to get it on the record. <laughs> But uh, no, your cl- reaction closest was closest anybody got to McManus. Your day. reaction was brilliant. You probably don't remember what happened because you and the, I sort of blacked the, out. Yeah. Everyone in the, in the, in Centurnix Park did pretty much the same thing because there was just this weird borderline yelp, and you actually went under the table. You know that? <laughs> I do. You, know that. You, you crouched <laughs> under the table, but like I, let's not let too much daylight in I, upon I, magic I, here, I, Gavin. I, I can, no, you were exactly <laughs> your your copy doesn't like make it look like how upsetting it was for you, but. Uh, everyone who's ever been close to knocking Kerry out of a championship can relate. It was right there, yeah. right there for Monaghan and just couldn't get it done. But well, look, it, at it, look what it took. It took two footballers of the year and the, the best teenager we've ever seen mm. to combine perfectly mm. for them to score that goal. Well, in case anybody's uh, wondering, yes, myself and Gavin did the uh, monaghan Kerry match in Clonus yesterday and uh, Sean Moran, who joins us on the line, uh, was in Oma on Saturday night for Dublin Wex- or Dublin... Tyrone, indeed. Um, Sean, how are you keeping? Grand, Malachy. How are you? I'm fine. You recovered? I'm fine. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, these things happen in sport. Uh, I've had a lifetime of uh, not killing teams off, so none, none of yesterday particularly surprised me. The theme so. seemed to be on the, the uh, TV interviews afterwards, we dust ourselves down and go again. Yes, well, we, we have no particular option other than to do that. And uh, as I say, we have a lifetime of learning how to do such, such things. Uh, you watched it, Sean. What did you make of it? Um, oh, I mean, I thought kind of my heart broke for Manon in a way because the, you know, that the, the their game plan was so efficiently executed. I mean, Conor McManus was kind of off the charts, you know, again, which means it's a contradiction. But uh, he's he's such a good footballer. I mean, he's he, probably the best attacker in 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 the country when he's on form. And I remember thinking this actually in the more rarefied times of seeing him playing international rules and that's what a good forward is he's top scored in that series for, for a good couple of years now but I mean um, something that you referred to earlier also struck me that you know Monaghan left a lot of it behind them I mean they they, they four wides in the first 10 minutes or, mm. or something mm. some of the shot selection was just a little bit too hasty or overly um, ambitious and uh, you also have this kind of I don't know this this dread feeling inside you uh, against Kerry that the, the chance is not taken will come back to haunt you. And it, as improbable as that seemed for most of the match, because Kerry weren't exactly uh, weren't exactly threatening for for, for most of us. But uh, they got in uh, at the end. But even then, like Mana has a chance uh, at the other end, which yeah. they, they contrived to, to to turn over. It was really really frustrating. But 
the good thing about it, I mean, aside from the two week interval, is that I give them a I give them a good shot in in in, in Salt Hill of, uh, of of getting a result. You know, I mean, I think they they, they played really well, and if the kind of the, the psychic stresses of what happened yesterday are, aren't too much, I think they're well capable of get, of getting something out of that. Um, but obviously, time will tell. Sure. John, did you notice that um, how physically? Um, how much like Kerry were bullied? A lot of their young lads were targeted. They all played quite well and all that. Were like like the likes of Gavin White and all will definitely be feeling today. What happened? That they just played a game in Clonus. The Wileys were the, the bullying and the hits. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kieran Duffy had Clifford by the throat at one stage and like was literally had him at the juggler and managed Clifford managed to get a yellow card as well out of Deegan. Um, like there was the, the physicality that the Monaghan brought to the game. They did almost bully them out of it. Um, could, could you see that? Was that evident on the TV? Because ah, I think it was. I mean, because you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the physicality was uh, being dictated by Monaghan, and uh, I know most of what I saw was was legitimate enough. I'm sure there was all sorts of things going on off off the ball, but uh, they were uh, they're just stronger and more mature as a team. Now, I mean, that's. Uh, Kind of a learning curve for the for the Kerry fellas and, and useful from that point of view. But I did think it was actually interesting that the you know the the fight for most of the match was being brought by the younger fellas on the on mm. the Kerry team. I, mean, I was surprised at how quiet, say, David Moran was in centre field. Um, how little impact they really got out of Donaghy until the end. Although you have to say about Donaghy that uh, it's it's always apparent that maybe he's not kind of. Uh, you know, Emma Fitzmaurice's weapon of choice when it comes to these matches. But, you know, when you look back on it, I mean, effectively his introduction won, won them the All-Ireland in 2014. And I was thinking of that, that match, you mm. know, when Mayo had them yeah. dead in the water at the semi-final yeah. and the ball up to, to Donaghy and the layoff to James O'Donoghue and the goal and how Kerry got the the, the, the replay out of a, that match when it never looked like they, they would and they won it and went on to, to, to win the All-Ireland. And the same yesterday, I mean, like Donaghy manages to get the the, the tip off uh, to Clifford. It's an interesting point you make, Sean, about the younger Kerry players. Somebody was saying this to me on Twitter last night, and I hadn't thought of it, and it is actually a really good point. Clifford and Shawnee Shea, like Shawnee Shea had a great first half, and Clifford was, you know, obviously the, the sort of standout player throughout the game. Um, these lads never really had to had to fight for games in their underage days. You know, they they were that Kerry team was blazing through teams. Uh, in Munster in All-Ireland Finals you know walking through games that were over after 10-15 minutes the it's a magnificent thing for Kerry that they that they land into their first year in senior and it turns out that they actually have that that sort of digging in in them as well as everything else that they have I think if you're I think if you're technically as gifted as some of those uh, players are uh, you actually slot into those competitive environments Quite well mm. because it just kind of raises the stakes of the, of, the, of the challenge. You could see it even. I mean, early on, I think Clifford uh, kicked a wide, but you could you, you could just see how lightning fast he is, and you know, really kind of unpromising looking positions to to pull a shot out and uh, and, and go for it. And I mean, the you know the point he he got before the the goal when, when Kerry were trying to kind of limit the damage towards the end of the match yesterday was spectacular as well. And uh, yeah, I think that's a, it is a huge thing for them because uh, I mean, as you say, you can kind of 
trample your way through underage because of the kind of the accidents of birth within a given cohort and uh, never have to demonstrate that sort of uh, competitive quality. But obviously they, they, they have it. I mean, physically, they're, they're probably finding it a bit a bit demanding at the moment. But as, the, as, as they get older, I mean, they're going to be phenomenal, judging, you know, on the trajectory so far. Definitely. Mal, what did you think about all the points and scores that Monaghan left behind? And specifically how they kept kind of looking for Connor Players who almost seem to be looking for McManus as opposed to going themselves. Yeah. Look, it's it's an old story with them. Like they have, this is, this is their, their ceiling. Like it, 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 when I watched them play against, they played against Tyrone earlier in this championship. They played against Kerry yesterday. And the one thing that you as a Monaghan uh, supporter wouldn't worry about really is their they have an experience that that younger teams don't have like that that Tyrone team was quite young that Kerry team yesterday is quite young this Monaghan team is very experienced older guys but what they haven't developed over the years is a killer instinct they don't they never kill teams off like they were able to score 117 against Kerry yesterday uh if you wind the clock back a week they left Kildare in a game that they were significantly better in as well. And their problem is that they never, they're, they're never more than a couple of points worse than the really good teams, but they're never more than a couple of points better than the teams that they're better than. Mm. And that's because outside of McManus, they don't have enough scores. Like he scored 1-9 yesterday, Rory Began scored four points. <laughs> that leaves the rest of the team scoring four points. They've no strike forwards outside of well, they do, but the, you know they they're just they haven't done it. Like Conor McCarthy couldn't get into it yesterday. I was I guess in the cold light of day at the end, I was kind of surprised that Jack McCarran wasn't like Monaghan only made three subs. I was surprised that Jack McCarran in the cold light of day at the end hadn't been on the field at the end, could could maybe have stroked over a point. But then again, with 10 minutes to go, they were five points up. It would have been maybe a little bit weird to be throwing on Jack McCarran. I can understand why it didn't happen. But this will always be Monaghan's problem. They, they, they are so well organised. They are so well coached and drilled. Their kickouts are fantastic. Like, they're really phenomenal. They have such a weapon in Rory Began. And they're men in defence. And they are men in defence, exactly. They will. They do not care about anybody. They And, like, even... I, I thought Dermot Malone yesterday, maybe the smallest man on the pitch, went around looking for fights off yeah. everybody and didn't care. And, like, they well, really... Then, if this is their ceiling, then it's a good thing that um, Clifford and Donaghy saved the summer because they would have got, pul- got pulverised in the North Ireland semi-final then Monaghan won't they? Uh, I don't know they, they won't get pulverised It also would anybody. have been the end of Eamon Fitzmaurice and Morris Fitzgerald I remember right. watching them on the line going oh my god these two lads are going to they're going to get eaten alive they haven't yeah. now. and the county board are going to have to get rid of them if they lose this game so yeah, I, the sliding I, doors I, moment for so many people was quite Oh big there. time and as I said in the paper today I'd say the Sky uh, people were <laughs> would yeah. be sending the, the, the David Clifford a present because they were going to have two dead rubbers uh, Three, yeah, in in a fortnight, um, it, uh, on the Saturday. Um, but I don't know if if you look at it from from here on out. You presume Kerry will will give Kildare a, a, a bit of a doing uh, in Killarney, and comes down to Salt Hill. I mean, I wouldn't be as I say. 
Monaghan are never too far away from whoever they're playing. That game in Salt Hill, I fully expect it to be more or less level with 10 minutes to go. And it comes down to whether A, Monaghan can get Conor McManus in a proper shooting position, draw free for him or Rory Began to score. Or if at that point, Conor McCarthy and Jack McCarron are on the pitch, can they get the score? Well, Galway, well? and I'd love to hear Sean on this one, Galway, if they're going to be serious All-Ireland contenders, like you think Dublin are going to let up even though they're in All-Ireland semi-final? They're not. They're going to destroy Roscommon. So I presume Galway need to actually prove their worth and and really put it into, really put Monaghan away. Yeah, I'm not so sure about um, about how how that'll play out just, just for, for this reason because I, I suspect that the way Galway um, set up and, and play and it's, there's been a real kind of step improvement in, in, in their ability to, to to put matches away and uh, and their performance levels this year. But I think with, with defensive systems, I think possibly one of the one of the payoffs is that you don't you don't always win by a whole whole pile uh, at, at the end of the, the match. I know that you know the Tyrone have uh, perfected the art of uh, absolutely riddling teams that you know that, that that don't keep up uh with with their particular counter-attacking style but uh i, I think that kind of problem that dichotomy that maliki outlined with, with monaghan you know never so good uh, uh that they're going to win by more than a couple of points and never so bad that they're going to lose by a couple of points will apply in, in this I, I think um i think a problem for, for monaghan uh, as well is that although you don't expect them to uh Get, get badly beaten in matches. It's happened a couple of times against Dublin in, in quarterfinals. Um, but I think you know that they're they're really performing well at the at the moment. And I I think Galway would be happy enough to win this match. I think under the the current quarterfinal round robin format, it, it has more in common with, with with league structures than championship. And I think maybe that means that the teams aren't going to get beaten out the gate unless they're kind of a bit off the pace, like uh, is happening with Roscommon at the uh, at the moment. So I, I I would be I would be confident for Monaghan that, that, that there's a possibility there for them. Uh, I, I refer back to what Gavin said about them looking around for, for McManus in, in, in attacking positions. I kind of felt that they needed to do more of that. I, I thought there was some terribly unconsidered shooting by, by Monaghan. Mm-hmm. You know, f- players in space could have taken another few metres uh, <clears throat> off off the, the distance, just kind of shooting from miles out and and, and going wide, uh, and and then just imprecision in, in in setting up final scoring opportunities. I mean, you have a scoring machine like McManus. I wouldn't blame them for looking for him mm-hmm. as, as often as possible when, when when they're in threatening positions. But I know the kind of the gloom that settles over. Uh, you know, projects after a day like yesterday is just this, you know, because if they go to Salt Hill and lose by a point, like it's 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 as bad as being, you know, beaten uh, out the gate. Yeah. And what's your read, Sean, on that little Tyrone revival? Is it anything like they, will they trouble Michael Murphy's brilliance up in Bally Buffet or what? Oh what do you well, think? I mean, it's you see, I was making this point in my report today as well that I mean, in a way, there was something for both teams on Saturday, but also for both teams to, to work on after Saturday. Um, now, from Dublin's point of view, I mean, 
kind of under pressure as they looked uh, at the end of that that match uh, when protecting narrow lead, uh, they got they got out and they got their their two points and they're into the, the semi final. Tyrone's reward for all this um, is a lot less obvious. I mean, they've got to go to Bally Buffet, and I mean the point has been made that Bally Buffet, unlike Healy Park. Uh, for Tyrone, which, as Mickey Hart himself said, isn't exactly a fortress venue. Uh, Bally Buffet is, mm. and I, you know, I've seen championship matches there in the last few years between uh, Tyrone and, uh, and Donegal, and they've been they've been kind of tight and attritional, and and Donegal have come out on top of them. Problem for. Donegal maybe his injuries, uh, particularly you know the McBrearty injuries hangs over, uh, has hung over their their matches in the the round robins. Um, I think it was possibly significant. All right, on on Saturday we saw Michael Murphy operating uh, at full forward because you know there'd been a lot of sort of explaining as to why Donegal couldn't really use him in there. They needed him to orchestrate around the middle. But I think all things being equal. If you can if you can play him on the the edge of the square, there's a big payoff for it because it's probably his his most natural position, uh, and particularly at, at, at this stage of his career. And uh, he's such a good a good footballer. So it's I, I think it's well, I think that's really up in the air. It's mm. maybe slightly favour Tyrone because of the Donegal injuries, but I, I'm I'm not um, I'm not 100 percent convinced that they they found it hard there in the past. And I think what we saw with Tyrone after their run through the qualifiers where they really kind of gained altitude, putting big scores onto, uh, onto, on, onto poorish teams, that, uh, that when you adjust for playing at the top level, I mean, you know, they went from scoring 36, I think it was, you know, against, uh, against Roscommon the previous week, scoring 14 against Dublin. And, you know, Donegal will make it very, very tight uh, for them. So uh, I, I think that, you know, I think that, that the jury's, Probably out on that one, a slight, a slight favour for for Tyrone, who, whose whose tails will be comparatively up, having kind of given a good account of themselves. That was a, that that was it on 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 Saturday night, Sean. That that it it was a good account of themselves. But I must say, I came away from that. Dublin aren't they're not they're not the sort of whiz bang version of themselves that the, that they may have been a couple of years ago. But my God, they're. They're a quite a really sort of admirable team in the amount of work that they do, the amount of just the, their sort of diligence is nearly impressive at this stage. I mean, Paul Mannion uh, pulled off two of the best defensive tackles I've seen uh, from anybody in a long time. And this was this guy like he made, did he make six turnovers in this game last year? Like he saved a certain goal chasing back uh on an, on an absolutely perfect. textbook tackle when it had to be because otherwise it was a black card he was going off or your man was getting in straight through one and one and he just snuffed it out and then a few minutes later uh, a turnover on I think uh, was a Colm Kavanagh uh, and Dublin broke away again like that level of work rate and diligence from them is is really admirable yeah oh no definitely I mean that was the that was the keynote on on Saturday evening you know, the, the way uh, I agree with you. I mean, I, uh, Dublin are a different proposition really now than they were when they were shooting the lights out. Even if you compare the the match on Saturday with the one last year, uh, the thing last year that that, that really kills Tyrone, obviously the Conor Callaghan goal inside the first 
five minutes and the kind of the, the existential angst this yes. must have provoked, you know, in <laughs> the defensive structure. Uh, but but Dublin kicked points from all over yes. after that. You know, I mean that they they just they they worked they worked position and, and, and finished it. And they're a lot they're a lot more cautious and, and, and hesitant now. Uh, the whole this whole sort of keepable approach to, to, to attacking. Um, I don't know. Since be influenced by by basketball mm. theory, I don't know enough about that to be to be waxing uh, about it and knowledgeable. But I I do think that it has it has kind of it has slowed down the the scoring processes. I mean Dublin keep possession and probe and turn so back boring, and reload and but I, I my point is that it has a bit of an impact on the on the scoring rate because. Um, Dublin forwards were very good on on Saturday in one respect, like four wides all match. So yeah. I mean, it's not like they were being harried into shooting from improbable positions and and not f- finishing accurately. They just wait and wait until the the, the, the obvious opening arises. But it, it's not it's not producing score lines and individual totals at the at the rate that it, that it used to. Now I suppose there's a theory out there that when they've completed the formalities and you know that they, they, they head into the the closing stages, this, they can throw off the, sh- the shackles a bit and, and go for it. But I'm not sure that's the way the team uh, operates nowadays. I think it's far more deliberate. It's far more possession-based, which is kind of an odd thing in in, in football terms. Does, and it also, kill, does it kill the entertainment value of the championship, though? Like, Goma was almost, you could hear a pin drop in, from long periods of the second half. Well, I, I think that's true, but I think you're in those circumstances, you're, you're, you're up against the... Uh, the conundrum that in an amateur game, like what is the duty to entertain? Uh, sure. and, uh, I, Would you the know, shot clock change it, Sean? I think they'd be very reluctant to bring in, um, you know, sort of uh, genetic engineering into the game on the basis <laughs> of a, you know, a kind of a, 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 a modern phenomenon, uh, unless unless it becomes um, really prevalent. Uh, it's also, Sean, apparently, apart from anything else, though, it's a horses for courses thing. You know, they, yeah. like no, I agree with that. Like yeah. Dublin, Dublin had, you know, they 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 got their beating in 2014 playing against uh, a packed defence, and they, you know, they they have just decided since that's not going to happen to us again. They brilliantly and manipulate the game of Gaelic football. So absolutely, they, they do. Yeah. But like I, I was looking at it uh, before their game against Tyrone last year so I presume it hasn't changed since um, Tyrone went ahead early in this game on Saturday Sean didn't they they went two points to one up by my calculations and I, I, I don't think I'm wrong here that was the first time they had been behind against what we would call a, a blanket defence team you know it's a, a generic term but let, we all know what it means I think that was the first time that they had actually been behind in a game against one of those teams since that Donegal game in 2014 like they know how to to play against these teams they don't they don't overextend themselves they are patient they just go out win the game I, I would propose that if they were playing Kerry it would be a different story well, yeah I, you might be Tron might have been a point up last year as well or in the very early stages mm. uh, but but I, I take the point that they don't um, they, they don't put themselves in a position where they're chasing big deficits against the defensive structure and I think it's a very uh, good points uh, and worth making because they caught a lot of flack over the end of the, the the Donegal match. But I can see the argument there that if a team wants to set up defensively against you and pull back, uh, you know, around its own 
its own goal, yeah. well then why wouldn't you keep possession? The obligation is on them. Yeah, they have to come and get the ball. They have to, and you they have to win the game. If you are winning the game. If Monaghan had been more like that in Clonus, could we have actually ruined, they could have actually properly ruined the football championship for everybody. <laughs> yeah. well, they had Monaghan just, just weren't good enough at it. That, that was it. They tried to do it for the last the five minutes and weren't good enough. To destroy the, 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 the spectacle for everybody, but they just couldn't do it. You saw at the end of the match in Oma when Tyrone did push up that it's a lot harder to play keep ball when people are coming at are you. In your face. And I mean, but yeah. for, for, for an illustration on the perils of, 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 of possession football, look at the uh, look at kind of the, the, the closing, whatever it was, ninety seconds or a minute of the All Ireland last year after Dublin had gone ahead and decided to keep the ball, and Mayo came at them, and there were a couple of moments in the middle of that process where the ball came terrifyingly close to getting mm. dislodged and, and, and trouble in, in, in ensuing. So, you know, I, I think uh, I agree with Maliki about the, the horse for courses, that if a team wants to drop back and give you the ball, well then you're going to make it hard for them to get it back. And I, I often think, um, you know, uh, maybe there, there was a kind of a uh, maybe an unspoken lesson for Dermot Connolly in all this at the end of the of the drawn match in, yeah. in 2016 <laughs> yeah. when uh, when Kilkenny was yeah. kind of demanding the ball with a minute on the clock and he and, went for and the, the line ball yeah. and 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 you knew that you know Kilkenny would uh, would make the ball disappear for 60 yes. seconds uh, <laughs> and Connolly went for it and it was back in play and and, May- and Mayo equalised yeah. but uh, no I, it's not it's not it's not the the, the the prettiest to watch but I think it's a response I mean you could say like that mass defence isn't the prettiest to watch uh, either yeah. and as, as you were saying Malachi Dublin have tended to fight fire with fire in relation to this but um, if, if if what kind of undoes them is aesthetically unpleasing maybe what they have to take as an antidote isn't either but certainly yeah. it depends on how the other team how the other team sets up but yeah. their forwards just aren't really putting up the, the, the scores that they used to although the work rate is you know is, is impeccable and, and they, they do manage matches you know, really, really well, and I think you saw on Saturday how they do, resp- you know, under under pressure. Well, yeah, and and they're into the semi final now, and Galway are into semi final now, and so the last round of games have Tyrone and Donegal, uh, Galway and Monaghan and Kildare carry those uh, games that are left. Listen, Sean, thanks a million uh, for joining us, and we will chat to you along the way. No problem. See you, Sean. Thanks a million, Sean. So while I and you, Gavin, were stuck uh, in Clonus all day yesterday, uh, one of the greatest uh, major Sundays was happening at um, Carnoustie. We have uh, Philip Reid uh, on the line before he comes back home. How are you doing, Philip? I'm doing well, Malachi. Uh, it seemed extraordinary looking on from a distance. Well, it was extraordinary to be there. You know, just, just on a little note, maybe they should have just stopped the golf while that Kerry Monaghan match has gone on. <laughs> and uh, taking the time out. But uh, I don't think they were aware of what was happening over in Clonus. But what was happening in Carnoustie on uh, the eastern shoreboard of uh, Scotland was also quite extraordinary because uh, it was one of, the, w- one of those great final days of, of a major. It'd been quite slow in some ways to get going on Thursday and Friday, but over the weekend it just took on a life of its own. And when the wind came yesterday, like, you know, what was like a star spangled leaderboard, it was sort of blown away a little bit. And then you had Tiger Woods coming onto the scene. You had Jordan Speed, who seemed to be in control. And then the coolest man of all ended up to be Francesco Melinari. And then also Rory McIlroy made one of those charts. Fantastic stuff, you know, really, really one of those great days to be there and just to soak in the excitement and 
the fluctuations of what was happening. Rory Crook is with us as well. Rory, you were live blogging this for, for us yesterday, uh, which uh, <laughs> uh, I don't envy you that, that task. It must have been just um, you trying to keep up with everything must have been phenomenal work. Yeah, I mean, at one stage there was a, a six-way tie for the lead, which was a bit, you were kind of trying to work out who to keep an eye to keep a proper eye on, and you know who who um who everybody would be most interested in, which is obviously Tiger and and McElroy and Speed. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, when Tiger got in the lead, um, and then tied for the lead, and then in the lead on his own, it was suddenly you kind of thinking, "Geez, this could be one of the one of the greatest stories ever told." But um. He just got a little bit loose then, which was interesting. Mm. He he um he seemed to lose it a little bit um around the turn and uh, fell away. And the man playing alongside him, who nobody really for the early part of the round maybe was keeping an eye on in the midst of the whole Tiger Circus, uh, kept his head the best. I mean, he he Molinari he didn't make a bogey since I think it was the seventeenth on Friday. He played thirty seven holes without a bogey. Yeah, at one of the hardest championship courses that. They play all year, or in any tournament, um, and I thought what was even more impressive was the fact that he did it alongside Tiger and everything that follows Tiger around in the final final round of a major. So it was extremely impressive stuff uh, from that point of view, and it, it just had everything. You know, at one stage just kind of thinking, "Geez, could be a, a McElroy Tiger speed playoff." <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Maybe that was uh, asking for a bit too much. Let's not. Uh, okay, Philip. Let's dig into it a wee bit. Uh, and I think I think it's only right that we actually we 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 will start with the champion. We will start with Molinari. I know there were plenty of other storylines as the day went on, but like that's two serious rounds of golf Saturday and Sunday. And as Rory says, especially yesterday with everything that was going on. Well, it was, it, he has been the hottest player on the planet. If mm. you look back over the results going back to uh, Wentworth, uh, he won Wentworth. He's, you know, he, he's won in the States since. But he, he, this guy is 35 years of old of age. He's played Tiger before. He's, he knows what happens at Ryder Cups. And, you know, while everyone else was jumping up and down, you know, heartbeats racing, like he, he was flatlining along. He 13 pars in a row until he got his first birdie at the 14th. But like, also, it was it was almost like a corner back mark and a corner forward in some ways because Molinari happened to be playing with Tiger Woods, you know, so he was able mm. to keep an eye on him. And as the excitement levels were building and Tiger suddenly found himself atop of the, the, the leaderboard, it was almost a bit like Iskers, you know, where he's, he's after flying up so high and then out of the wings comes this little wren, an Italian wren, and Francesco <laughs> soars even further ahead of him, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was incredible to watch and he, he didn't make a mistake. You know, he plotted his way around and he knew where he was going and he kept calm and, like, there was mayhem everywhere, you know, all outside mm. the ropes. You know, you, you look up at the leaderboard and someone else was up on top. But when Molinari got there and he finished in some style, like his approach to the 18th for, for the finishing birdie, yeah. it was a fabulous shot, mm, you know. Mm. So, uh, Tell me about this guy, Philip, because it's funny. I was watching all the coverage on, on Thursday and Friday and a good bit of it on Saturday. And I heard, it's funny, I heard Butch Harmon at one stage. And you, you know the way like golf commentary, they don't really sort of dig into the players too too often. They don't like... They never really focus too deeply on on like some players' flaws, but at one stage he did. He was it was a compliment. He was in the process of compliment Molinari and the changes he's made to his game. 
he said, and I mean, this guy, this guy was a horrendous putter. I mean, horrendous putter is a, is a really sort of big thing to say about any sort of pro golfer. But the change in his his putting in the last year, I guess, has just has is what has propelled him forward. Well, he changed putters at the uh, Players' Championship uh, earlier mm. on this year, and that seems to have been one of the the main reasons. He's just he's he's suddenly found a putter. You know, golfers are you know they collect putters almost like you know you know they they build up garage fulls of putters. Mm. But like uh, Molinari, he, he, a bit like uh, McIlroy, he was a Nike Tour player, and when Nike decided that they weren't. Uh, going to continue with golf club equipment and you have to find a new way of doing things and he too became a tailor-made player but the one thing in his bag that's not tailor-made is he has a better nardy putter and that seems to have given him confidence on the greens and he's holding out and you know as we saw over the weekend like to go around Carnoustie particularly yesterday when the wind started blowing the course started to show its teeth to go around without dropping a single shot was you know it was an exceptional display and you know, he's he's rightly the champion golfer as as we call it. But uh, mm. it, you know, it first Italian to win. Imagine all the pressure on that. There's doubts over whether the Ryder Cup course is going to be built in uh, in Italy for for the Ryder Cup. They're going to have to build it now. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rory, let's let's go through some of the other storylines. I I guess we kind of have we kind of have to start with Tiger. Uh, for him. Whatever he did on Saturday, it was it was kind of amazing to see him on Saturday come through the field and and you know get get to, towards the top and 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 be joint lead. But I think I think in our heart and soul we kind of thought that that was probably it for 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 this British Open. That mm. wow, at least we can go away and say wow, Tiger, he's he's more or less there. Mm. But he led the British Open yeah. on his own at a point on the yeah. Sunday. Like that's just amazing. Yeah, no, that in itself was amazing, and um, I mean, he started, he started just so calmly. Like he, the first, I think it was, it was kind of looking back a little bit this morning, and he didn't put a foot wrong really in the first kind of. He had one kind of poor put on the second hole, but bar that, it was just flawless um, until he ate the par three when he put his tee shot into the bunker, and that was around the time he he got the lead, as I was saying, and it it seemed like he. He got a little bit loose. He, he found a bunker there. He found he found a bunker on nine. Two great up and downs. Drove it in the bunker on ten. Made a great par. Um, and then the double bogey on eleven is what killed him. And it was a, a bad pull left from the from the rough on the right. And it it just seemed like I was kind of thinking, you know, you know, Tiger Woods. Does Tiger Woods even feel nerves? You know, I mean, mm, back in the mm. day, he probably didn't. But then you have to think like. This is a 42-year-old Tiger Woods who yeah. hasn't won a major in 10 years, who's sh- surely knows and feels that if he was to come back and win a major now, it would be one of the greatest yeah. comeback yeah. stories ever. There's that pressure on him. There's all the different pressures. Um, and it, it just seemed to me like when he did get into the lead, like I say, a couple of shots just started to go loose and, and the double bogey then followed by a bogey on the 12th kind of killed his chances yeah. a little bit. He, he held a great putt for birdie on the 14th, which got him back into it slightly. But 
that was that was what I'd done from. Like it, it, it kind of came and went quite quickly in the end. <laughs> Philip, what was the the excitement level like over there when when he went ahead? You know, if anyone doubts the pulling power of Tiger Woods, all you had to do was in the pre-tournament press conferences. There was I won't even say standing room only. Like there were guys who couldn't get into the press conference. There were so <laughs> many looking to try and get in, and no one else last week had that same sort of pulling power. The, the only closest one was uh, Rory McIlroy. Uh, so, like, the, the, the Woods factor is there. When his name got to the top of the leaderboard, it was just like a buzz all around the course. You know, everyone wanted to try and follow Tiger Woods, which obviously wasn't important. But funnily enough, uh, when Rory McIlroy, and players do leaderboard watch, especially on, in the final round, when McElroy saw Woods was uh, on top of the board, he changed his own philosophy. He said he wanted to go out and spoil the party, you know. Wow. So it, yeah, it's uh, so so his presence in the old days it would have intimidated because everyone knows Tiger gets there, Tiger finishes the job out. As mm-hmm. Rory said, Tiger hadn't been in that situation for a long time, hasn't won in ten years. So like McElroy actually, it, it probably loosened him up. I know he held a couple of monster putts missed a couple of short puts. These things balance out. Uh, but, you know, like the, the, the Woods factor is huge. and It's absolutely fantastic that he's back. He's competitive. He's not just going through the motions. And a byproduct of his finish yesterday, he just barely scraped into the Bridgestone Invitational next week that. in Akron. He's Akron. in the top 50 in the world now. Yeah, he just barely he's made exactly. it because yeah. for, for a while it looks like he's going to be 51st. But that gets him into Akron where he has an incredible record. And this is the very last Bridgestone Invitational, so he badly wants to be there for, for his own special reasons. So tell me about McElroy, uh, Philip. How how was he after, and how close did he feel he came? Well, th- the result says it all. He came very close. Mm. Uh, he actually played... It's, it's been a while since I've seen McElroy so at ease within his body, you know, going around his business on the golf course. Uh, even when he... If he dropped a shot, like, there was no slump in his shoulders. There was no head down. You know, I was out following him yesterday, and when he tree-putted on the fifth hole, he left himself in a bad situation where he was. Uh, you know, he said bottom of the green he's sort of 50 feet up the hill the pin is in a difficult position in the middle ridge you know and the guys behind me were Scottish uh, supporters you know talking about him choking and the other guy agreeing Asher he always chokes but he he doesn't tend to choke you know when he gets into position in in majors he he tends to to go for it and as we saw in the back nine you know the the eagle on 14 the the birdie on nine you know he um you know, he he gave it a good run, and just looking at his putting statistics, you know, up at Ballyliffin in the Irish Open, his putting was quite atrocious. But I, I, I'm working out he was sort of like nine nine strokes better in putting in Carnoustie, you know. So yeah, uh, it it did take him a little bit of time to readjust to the links greens, but his putting looks in a good place, and uh, certainly going forward now to the final major of the PGA next uh, month in Belrive, you know, he has to he has to figure he has a good shot at going for that. Um, just run through a few of the others, uh, Rory. Um, I, I guess the biggest surprise of the day was that w- was how how far behind Spieth ended up. Yeah, it was seventy six in the end after starting the the day in the lead. Um, he started off with a, with a few pars and seemed to be kind of going along okay, and then he had a disaster on. Forgive me, I can't remember what hole it was. I think it could have been the seventh, sixth or seventh, whichever is the par five to six. I think six. So, yeah. 
yeah, sixth, yeah, where he um he drove right into the rough and mm. and opted to hit a three wood with a second, which seemed to be a strange sort of play. He was never going to get home in two, and and you kind of wonder why he didn't just play an iron up the fairway and and maybe get out with a par, hit it into a gorse bush, ended up making a double bogey, and it just seemed like yeah, it just seemed like it was it was never there for him and. He hasn't been in great form all year. He hasn't won since the British Open last year, and kind of wonder if if he'd he'd pulled himself to the top of the leaderboard as he seemingly always well not always but a lot of the time manages to do in majors. He has just this incredible kind of competitiveness, um, and maybe it just it wasn't actually quite there, and it, it just ran out from a little bit on the last day. Philip, who else like like. Was there who was going away last night with, with hard luck stories, or was there anybody, or and or, or or was it just that that Molinari was was the coolest head around and was was the best golfer in the field? Well, Molinari was certainly the coolest head, and and certainly the round yesterday showed he was the best golfer. But there's a lot of players went away with regrets, you know, because the number of double bogeys. Kevin Kisner as early as the second hole mm. double double bogey got himself back in, couldn't quite close it, close it out. Xander Schauffele, who's he's a fantastic player, you know, he he showed it last year when he was rookie. To, year on the PGA Tour he mm. won the Tour Championship he put himself in positions probably the first time now that he's been in a position in a major he's going to learn but like the, the number of guys that had double bogeys like it was like getting you know someone uh, giving you a sucker punch in the in the stomach and there wasn't really much time to recover once uh, double bogeys were coming whatever about bogeys so there was a lot of players walked away as Rory was saying speech when he got to the top of the leaderboard you know given what he's done he's He's not even 25 years of age yet, but like you were going to figure he's going to win a, a, a fourth major, you know, which would have been four majors since McIlroy's last one, his last major at Valhalla in the PGA in 2014. So, yeah, a lot of people walked away with regrets, but certainly the one man that everyone stood up and said, okay, and acknowledged as 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 the man that played the best golf was certainly Francesco Molinari. For drama, Philip, it must be hard to remember the last time. Uh, a major Sunday was just quite this dramatic. Maybe the, maybe the U.S. Open in Chambers Bay. Maybe that one. Uh, yeah, dramatic. That went, Dram- went around the houses. You know, yeah, did, like so dramatic. many people had a chance yesterday. Yeah, uh, like Chambers Bay was dramatic in a different way, almost for the mm. fact that Dustin Johnson perhaps should have won that, and Speed probably stole it from mm. him. Uh, in in terms of opens, you know. The, the British Open is just a championship that can produce such drama. Like we had to Phil and uh, Henrik Stenson going head to head a couple of years ago, and, you know, in Trun, and like that was drama of a different type. What what happened here was just the sheer number of people that had a chance and. Then there was the Tiger factor too, and there was the yeah. McIlroy factor. So it was one of those great final days. Uh, sorry you didn't get to see it, and sorry to hear about Monaghan's woes. But uh, hey, 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 It was a great call today. <laughs> Philip, thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks, Malky. Take care of yourself, and Rory, thanks for coming in. Thanks very much. And thanks to Sean for joining us earlier, and thanks to you, Gavin. Long live David Clifford. Long live David Clifford. Uh, we'll, we'll get you to do this again sometime. This is so. enjoyable. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Declan behind the desk. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, you want to get in touch with us? We're all on Twitter. Uh, there's an email address at a time at irishtimes.com. And we'll see you all next week, folks. Take it easy. <laughs>